0: As Pastor Dave said, we are starting a new series called Radiant that will have us journeying through the book of Ephesians. Pastor Matt did a preamble on the book, so if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, I would encourage you to take a moment and find it on our Facebook page or our YouTube page. You can also find it through our church website, and it will give you great insight and background as we travel through this series together. At the end of our time together, we're going to be having communion. So if you haven't yet taken the time to grab something suitable for communion, do that right now so you can use it at the end of our time together. We're going to begin with Ephesians 1 verse 3. So it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want you just to think about a coin, and I have a coin here, I don't know if you can see it or not, but I want you to think about a coin, and on one side of the coin is the work of Christ. That is what Jesus did on the cross that he came he lived he died and he rose again for us and we call that the work of Christ on the other side of the coin is every spiritual blessing that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 1 3 when he says in Christ we have every spiritual blessing so on one side the work of Christ and on the other side every spiritual blessing. And together they make up a coin. They make up what I call and what we call salvation. And when we by faith accept that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, we receive him and the blessings that come. We receive salvation in our lives. And the parts that we play in it is to receive that coin for the sake of illustration or receive him into our life by faith. And today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the side of the blessings that we have who we are in Christ as a result of what Christ did on the cross. We're going to start in verse 4. And it says this, even as he chose us in him in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Have you ever considered the fact that our Father God, oh although he knew the choices that man would make to sin, that he chose to create us anyway, even though he knew that we would reject him, even though he knew that we would sin, which would separate us from him, from the holy and perfect God. And even knowing all of that, he still chose to create us. Along with that choice, to create us, he also chose to make a way that we could have a relationship with him, that we could be holy and blameless before him through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.22 says this, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, I'm going to share with you what I think is a limited illustration, but hopefully it gives you a little bit of a picture of what this looks like. Say there's a city planner and just for the sake of this conversation, say his name is Sam and Sam is planning this amazing city. He's building the city and he's making everything in it and he's designing it for you. He's putting everything in there that you'd ever need. It's absolutely beautiful. But there's just one problem. You don't know the way to get there. But wait, the one who built the city, Sam, the city builder, who made everything in it, who designed it, he knows how to get there. And so he provides you with a map and the map gives you the only one way, the only way to get to that city. You see, Sam wanted you to be in that city. He wanted you to enjoy everything that you would have if you were in that city And because that was his will, his desire for you, he chose to do everything he could do to ensure that you could get there. We just get to choose whether or not we're going to accept and use the map. It's the same thing. God the Father chose you to be holy and blameless before him. That's his desire. That's his will for us. But this wasn't something that we could do on our own. We needed Jesus. For the sake of the illustration, Jesus is the map. He's the only way. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way that this is accomplished in our lives is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and us us accepting that work. So in Christ, because we've, accepted him we are chosen to be holy and blameless. you continue on in Ephesians 1 and it says this it says in love verse 5 he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will you know a word that we can often get hung up on is that word predestined and sometimes we struggle with it and in the New Living Translation, it says this that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to him through Jesus Christ. And because we can sort of struggle and get hung up on that word, I, I heard of this great illustration that I want to share with you. I think will help us get a better understanding of what this looks like. Say, I was hosting this big special event that everyone is welcome to attend. And I start to plan this event and at this special event, I decide to show a clip of a movie. If I'm planning this event, I'd probably show Annie because it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And at the last moment, you decide to attend this event. After the movie is shown at this event, you raise your hand and you ask me, when did I decide to show this specific movie clip? And I answered and said, when I started planning the event three months ago, I decided all of the special activities that would take place at this event, including this movie. And then you proceed to tell everyone, Pastor Jory predestined us to watch this movie clip three months ago, which is true. I did. But notice this, this is key. I didn't pick who would watch the clip. Remember, everyone was welcome to come to the event. And everything that I had planned as part of the event would be available for all attendees of the event. Even though I prearranged what you would get to partake in, I didn't choose who would come, just what they would receive. You see, the same thing is with God. God in advance decided that through Jesus Christ, in Christ, we would be adopted into his family. One of the privileges of the event, one of the privileges of accepting Jesus, is adoption. You and I are adopted in Christ. Now, I reached out to some people who have experience with adoption in the natural, and I wanted them to help me put into words what it would feel like to be adopted from their own experiences. This is some of what they shared with me. My new family had made the choice to adopt, which in turn, which in turn made me feel wanted. is not a beautiful thought, wanted by our heavenly father. Someone else shared this, that their mom and dad has always told him that he was special because he was chosen. And I just believe it, he said. I really felt like the other kids were normal, but I was special. Think about that for a moment, that we are special to God. My cousin Ryan Bracco said that I could share this, and so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but this is what he said. I have a unique understanding of love as a choice. This influences how I understand unconditional love in a good way, I believe. It It makes things like forgiveness, generosity, and mercy more natural as a product of the trust I have that I am loved. And listen to these words, that I am loved unconditionally because I was chosen we are loved unconditionally by God the Father who chose to make us sons and daughters through Jesus Christ what does that mean practically for us to be a son or a daughter will listen to Romans eight fifteen to 17 this is breaking it down for us for you did not receive the spirit of slavery slavery to fall back into fear But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What does it mean to be adopted by God to be a son or a daughter? It means that we have no fear. You see, slaves, they feared their masters. They had to obey out of fear. But we get to obey out of love, knowing our father, our perfect father, only wants what is very best for our lives. I often think of it like this. When a little child is about to touch a stove, right? And the parent grabs them and pulls them away. They're not really happy in that moment. But later on, they actually come to understand that it was actually for their own good. It's the same as us. We have nothing to fear from our heavenly father. He only desert, desires what is good in our lives. Romans eight twenty eight says this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for their good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know. We know that it works out for our good. We have authority as his son or as his daughter. You know, a slave doesn't have any authority. He has no position in the house, but a son does. A son has authority under their parents' authority. You know, Peter, he understood this really well. You see this in Acts 3, 6. Peter says this, he says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Do we speak with the authority that we have as his son or as his daughter? We also get to enjoy an intimate or a close relationship with God. You know, you think about a child. And when a child addresses his father as father, that's the title he uses, it has more of a formal sense to that relationship. But remember, in Romans, it says that we can cry out, Abba, Father. That's a different term. That word Abba means daddy, right? We think about a child would say daddy or dad or maybe papa. It speaks to a living, trusting, close, loving relationship, And this, as his son or as as his daughter, that's how we can approach the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe who sustains every atom in existence and loves us unconditionally. We're also joint heirs with Christ. We get to share in his glory and his suffering. And as his son or his daughter, we also belong. We're children of God. There's more than one of us. You see what's so exciting about this is that it doesn't just change my relationship with God. But it also changes my relationship with everyone that believes in Jesus Christ. Now they're my brother or they're my sister. And we have a new family. We're all part of the family of God. We continue down in verse 7. And it says this. Ephesians 1 7. In him... We have redemption through his blood. In Christ, we are redeemed. Redemption implies liberation from bondage or imprisonment. And what is it that we were liberated from or we set free from? Well, it's sin. Romans 6, 6 says this, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer, listen to this, we are no longer slaves to sin. You notice that we have redemption. It's a past event. It's done in our lives. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15, it explains it so perfectly in the New Living Translation. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, with Christ's blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place. Listen to this. Once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. But just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins that he committed under the first covenant. We are redeemed. It continues on in verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood." blood, we covered that, redemption, and it goes on and it says this, the forgiveness of our trespasses, trespasses, so we are redeemed and we are forgiven. Have you ever thought that there's no way that God could forgive all your sin? You know, you list all your sins and you just think there's no way that God could forgive all of the things that I've done wrong. Or maybe there's that one sin that you feel is unforgivable. You know, that choice that you made and you knew it was wrong. You knew that it was absolutely wrong, but you made that choice anyway. And you think there's no way that God could forgive that. Or maybe it's because of the consequences of that sin. You know, the consequences were so great. There's no way that he could forgive you because of the damage or because of what it resulted in. Regardless of why you doubt you're forgiven. Here's the problem. You're focused on yourself. You see Paul brings us back to the fact that we need to focus on Christ. In Christ we are forgiven. And how are we forgiven? Listen to this. According to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. You know, when I was a kid or a young teen, um, I don't know, probably about 12, 13, somewhere in that age, maybe even a little bit younger, on my mom's side, we would have family gatherings. And these gatherings, just to give you a picture of it, they weren't just the immediate family. It was my great aunts and my uncles, my cousins, even if we were second or third cousins, it didn't matter. We were all family. And as part of these family gatherings that we'd have, and usually they'd be at Christmas, but whenever we'd gather that big extended family, we would have this time that I would call a sing along time. And it's where one of my aunts, either my Auntie Marsha or my Auntie Marilyn, would sit down at the piano and they would start to play hymns. And they would take requests, mostly from my grandpa and his siblings and their spouses. And lots of the time it would be expected of all of us grandkids that we would shout out suggestions as well. And I'd remember getting so nervous as I was trying to think about a hymn that hadn't been suggested yet. So I've gotten older and I've reflected back on those moments as a family. I would no longer call them or categorize them as a sing-along time. But I've come to recognize, especially as that generation, most of that generation has passed away, I've come to recognize those moments for what they truly were. They were a family that when they gathered together, they recognized and knew the grace of God. And they had been so immeasurably moved and touched by Christ that they would stop and worship him together. I was thinking about one of the hymns that we would often sing. And I can still remember, I can remember sitting there in my uh, Grandpa Johnson's uh, living room and I remember the moment and I can see where different people are sitting. What I can see as I picture this moment, I can see the tears running down the faces of my great aunts and uncles and of my grandparents as they would sing these words, listen to these words that were just so real to them that have become so real to me. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is, here's the key, grace that is greater than all our sin. Not part of our sin, not most of our sin, but all our sin. One of the verses to this hymn says this, marvelous, infinite matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe you that are longing to see his face. Will you this moment his grace receive? How are we forgiven according to the riches of his grace, his marvelous, infinite and matchless grace. We are forgiven his grace that he freely gives to all of us who have believed And those that haven't yet, the question that he's asking today is, will you receive my grace? We go on in verse 13 in Ephesians 1. It says this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. We are in Christ secure. You see, the word seal in the Greek means to stamp with a signet or a private mark for security or preservation. Or it means to confirm or substantiate beyond a doubt, to be fixed, to be certain. So listen to this again. In him... In Christ, you also, when you receive the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed to him, were fixed with the promised Holy Spirit, or were certain with the ho- promised Holy Spirit. There is no need to doubt your salvation. You are secure in Christ. Remember, Hebrews 9:12 says this: once for all time. And secured our redemption forever. You are secure in Christ. You are chosen to be holy and blameless in Christ. You are adopted to be his son or adopted to be his daughter. You are redeemed from sin and you are forgiven of all sin in Christ. And for all of these blessings, just as Paul expressed at the beginning of this portion of scripture, he said this, all praise to God. And he ended this portion in verse 14. He said this, he did this so we would praise and glorify him. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to thank him for what he has done because we didn't deserve these blessings of salvation. I'm so thankful for them, but we did nothing to deserve them. We didn't earn our salvation. This is a gift of his grace that he so richly lavishes on us. So as we come to the communion table today, I want us to remember what Christ did on the cross. And as we come with a thankful heart To give him all the praise and all the glory that he deserves for what he did. And because of what he did, what you and I get to enjoy. We get to enjoy a new identity in Christ. We get to enjoy being holy and blameless. To be his son or to be his daughter. We are redeemed and forgiven. And we are secure. And so if you want to, with me, grab your emblems at this time. Cracker and your juice. And this cracker represents his body. And just think about that for a moment. His body that was beaten. His body that was broken for us so that we could have these blessings that come through his work of salvation. And before we take this emblem of his broken body, let's just take a moment and let's just thank him let's just praise him for what he did let's just do that wherever you are you're seated in your seated in your living room or outside let's just say thank you God we just want to take this moment and we thank you for what you did we thank you that you died for us we thank you that your body was broken for us God we thank you for all the blessings that we've received really there's just not words to express how thankful we are for what you've done but we're just going to try to just express that, God, we're so thankful that we're your son, that we're your daughter. We are so thankful that we are secure, that we're safe in you, Lord God. We're thankful that you endure what you endured so we would be forgiven, that we'd be redeemed by you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just partake of this cracker together. Well, let's just take a cup. This cup reminds us of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. This cup that he, he chose to die for you and me that we could be forgiven. It's not words, Jesus, to say. Thankful, thankful. I can't express how thankful we are. Yet we're so thankful that we are forgiven. Let's partake of this cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just pray for us. Father, there's just not words. Really isn't words to express how thankful we are that we are new in you. Jesus, that we are a new creation, that we have a new destiny, a new purpose. God, that we are your son or that we're your daughter and all the blessings that we enjoy, we just don't really have words to say. It feels inadequate and yet we just want to say thank you. We praise you for all that you've done. God, I pray for those that maybe have yet to receive you. God, I pray that today they would come to put their faith in you, that they would choose you, Jesus. They would choose to serve you. They would choose to invite you into their lives and allow you to be their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for all my brothers and sisters. I thank you for them. And for those that have been doubting who they are in Christ, I pray, Lord God, that today they would be assured again of who they are and the blessings that they enjoy in you. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another sermon podcast from Regina Apostolic Church. We hope you're inspired and challenged. For more content, find us at ReginaApp.com.